everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Welcome to October as well. It is the month of pumpkin spice and sweaters. <sighs> and if you're me, mourning the loss of summer. But this month is also very exciting because it is the month of my official book launch. The book, It Takes Guts, my nose to tail cookbook, and uh, I hope just entertaining storybook, uh, will be available in stores as of October 20th. If you're somebody who likes to go and physically pick out what you're buying, it will be there for you wherever you uh, shop. It's also available now online on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Chapters, wherever you buy your books. Uh, and I'm really, really excited because this is the month that people are going to start getting their books in the mail. They're going to go out and get it. They're going to make some recipes. They're going to enjoy some organ meat and share that with me. That's what I'm hoping, certainly. Uh, I got my copies and uh, it was a crazy, exciting, big deal. Um, so yeah, so October isn't all bad, even though I'm not really a huge fan of... Um, being cold for the next six months, you know, I'm going to just grin and bear it because I've got lots of other exciting things going on, including this episode today, today's guest. Her name is Ada Fox. She is known on Instagram as Black Carnivore. And I started following her because she posted um, a lot of delicious looking food. And then as I kind of got more into her account, she was posting a lot of really, really useful, interesting interviews and information um, for people who are looking at getting into this diet and this way of eating and understanding their health and nutrition. Um, and she's really also trying to create a space specifically for Black people, for people of color who are trying to get into this pretty niche uh, nutritional uh, community uh, in a in a place that does seem to be you know when you're first getting into it very white very male um, and that's not always the case but you know it's whatever we see the most of is what we tend to associate with something so she's just trying to create a space for people who maybe don't see themselves represented in the community um, and who may have different cultural backgrounds and different nutritional and health backgrounds just trying to create a more inclusive space and I thought that was really cool um, and you know I certainly don't qualify um, as being a minority in this space necessarily, but I do understand as a uh, meat eater, as an organ meat eater, as a heavy weight lifter, that I do sometimes find myself in groups or communities or environments where um, there's not as many women, there's not as much talk about um, women and their specific requirements and needs and things like that. So, you know, I'm used to being the odd man out a little bit. And I, I part of the reason I created this podcast is to just open it up a little bit more to different voices, different perspectives, different opinions. Um, I want to talk about women more, but I want to talk about everybody. I don't want anyone to, to come to this podcast and feel like you're not really talking to me. Um, that is my hope. That's what I hope I'm achieving. And if I'm not achieving that, I want you to tell me um, because I want bros and and girls and dudes and people of color and white people and old people and young people and people just getting started and people who are already super far along in their fitness journey. I want everybody to come here and learn something and, and get something out of it. So please, you know, keep me posted and let me know. Send me a message on Instagram at the Muscle Maven. Send me an email. Let me know what I'm doing well, maybe what I could work on. If you have any recommendations for me of other people that you want me to have on the podcast to talk to, um, I would love to hear it because I really do truly think, and this is this is easier said than done, and it's a job that we all have to do, but if you only listen to people who agree with you 100% of the time, if you only listen to people who look and sound and act exactly like you, you're 
you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to be challenged. You're not going to have exposure to new ideas. And I just think the more people we are exposed to, the more opinions we're exposed to, the more ideas we're exposed to, the better. doesn't mean you have to agree with them all. doesn't mean you have to listen and take all of their advice. Um, and you know, sometimes it can be challenging and it can be irritating and it can be frustrating, but you know what? That's what life is. And if you are never challenged by someone's uh, beliefs or opinions, um, you're probably really not engaging that much. So, you know, there's certainly a balance between adding too much stress to your life and, and bringing people in that aren't going to add anything. But I think we can find that balance. I think it's, I think getting, putting yourself out there a little bit and exposing yourself to new things, even if they're frustrating, is better than never doing that. So. Anyway, with all that said, uh, this was a great chat. I learned a lot more about her background and her story and her hard work and finding out what works uh, for her health-wise. Um, we talk about things on a more general scale in terms of tracking macros and understanding what fits into a carnivore diet or what doesn't and the unique challenges that women have um, adopting this kind of diet and having to get over our fear of dietary fat and all of those things. So there's plenty in this one. Um, I appreciate Ada so much for coming on and speaking with me. Um, I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please share this episode with people that you think could benefit. Um, and as I said, I'm always here to um, listen to your feedback and constructive criticism uh, if you have any. And uh, that's it. I hope you enjoy my interview with Ada, aka Black Carnivore. All right, Ada, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Can you see my like beautiful mind scribbles back here on the uh, chalkboard? Like, <laughs> I don't want anyone to know like the state secrets that I have up there, but I just feel like the lighting is slightly better in this angle. So we'll just go with it. Uh, um, I can see it a little bit, but don't okay. know what it means. Okay, good. <laughs> Perfect. That's all that matters. All right. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm super pumped to talk uh, all things meat and health. Um, but before mm -hmm. we kind of get into any specific questions that I have for you, I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself um, to the listeners and just kind of tell people who you are and, and how you came to be doing what you're doing right now. Yeah, well, thanks for giving me that opportunity. So, um, you know, I am the Black Carnivore on Instagram and on YouTube. And, uh, I, you know, I have a long sort of journey to, <laughs> to getting here. I have um, struggled with weight, you know, much of my life and um, really had a hard time controlling, um, you know, my sugar consumption and whatnot. And over the years have tried different, lots of different kinds of diets. But in the 90s, when um, there was a sort of Atkins resurgence, that was kind of my first introduction to doing a low carb diet. And um, I, I, you know, I mean, we don't know what we know now in terms of how to, to sort of correctly apply it. So I definitely had some challenges with it, but there were definitely benefits and I could see why it would be helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on and off, I sort of did, I would say low carb, you know, like just didn't eat pasta, didn't eat bread. And that was enough to sort of maintain my weight for a while. But then, um, you know, but then I ended up, uh, you know, a number of things went on in life and stress with work and whatnot. And I ended up gaining about 80 pounds. And um, so when I finally decided to get focused, eventually, you know, I found myself um, counting carbs again. And, uh, and this time, you know, I found a lot of relief, but I really wanted more information about why 
why this was working or how I could, you know, better optimize it. So this is back in 2015. I, you know, went on YouTube and, um, you know, just basically looked up anything I could find. And so was watching lots of like presentations at scientific events and, um, you know, Eric Westman's like video where he just, you know, kind of shows people what he does with his clients. Like I, you know, I watched that and I got, um, a lot more info. Um, and so I, you know, was able to apply the diet. I ended up losing 80 pounds and, um, was, you know, it really did, uh, you know, amazing things for my health. Uh, but along the way I had heard about people following a zero carb diet. And I think I'd even first heard about it back in like 2008. Um, and I was on a forum, I think Charles Washington's forum for a while, but I just couldn't wrap my head around like not eating vegetables. So, um, you know, I kind of abandoned that and, uh, but you know, I still had, um, even following keto, I still had like a lot of allergies and issues that other people had said, you know, resolved for them on keto. And so, you know, I was still always playing around. And then, um, I heard Amber O'Hearn give her talks a lot and I was just kind of like, ah, you know, let me just try this, like full on really try it. And, you know, two days in, it was like, you know, I'm done. I figured out where I need to be. This is, you know, wow. this is what I'm going to be doing. So, you know, I continued on. Uh, I didn't really tell anybody. I just said, you know, I'm sort of experimenting, trying different things. But, you know, after six months, one of my friends was like, uh, so when's this experiment over? Like, when are you going to be a normal person again? Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, the, the benefits that I found, on carnivore that I didn't experience on keto was, you know, my allergies gone, my asthma resolved. Um, you know, I just had so much more energy and mental clarity and, um, you know, I, I just felt great and just, I don't know, looked better, felt better. Um, so, you know, for me, it was a huge game changer, but, um, so I, I decided, well, if this works so well for me, I want any other, uh, you know, I, I chose my handle when I got on Instagram because I wanted anybody else who might be interested in a carnivore diet who was black and looking for somebody else black doing it to be able to easily find me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that was the name. And I, I just wanted to make sure that if there was anybody in my community that was interested in eating this way, they had some kind of support. Cool. And now you have a podcast as well. Yeah. So I, you know, I've actually always been interested in YouTube and podcasts and I've been listening to them for years and had always wanted to start one. So I actually started one before this called Black Keto with a, a podcast, a, a formal podcast with a friend of mine. So that's still out there if anybody is looking. And, and even while I did that, I was carnivore, but I wasn't prepared hmm. to call myself that. Um, but then, uh, you know, now I, uh, I decided to go ahead and, uh, start the Instagram channel. Then I, I started doing interviews of, of any other black carnivores that I could find. And so I put them up in a podcast format because people ask for it, you know, especially when you're having long form conversations, you know, people aren't always interested in sitting down and watching that on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, I, but you know, but then I also have the YouTube channel where I have the more instructional, um, you know, uh, sort of videos and things that might be helpful for people in implementing it. 
so yes, I've got a YouTube channel, have a podcast and uh, the Instagram handle and now am on Twitter. Um, but I'm getting a little overwhelmed with all the different places that yeah. I'm being uh, on social media. Yeah. So, but if you're looking for me on uh, Twitter, it's at black under, underscore carnivore. Yeah, I hear you about the being overwhelmed once you kind of get into the space where you're like, I have a clear mission of something I want to communicate and I, a community that I want to reach. And you want to reach them in as many places and be as accessible as you can. And then all of a sudden you're like, why do I have a TikTok account? I don't know. Like, it's like, why did I do this to myself? I won't, yeah. I refuse to get a TikTok account, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Okay, so I have a ton of questions. I was taking notes as you were talking. Mm -hmm. So, um, because, I mean, it's a pretty incredible accomplishment to lose 80 pounds. How long did that take you? A long time. So okay. when I started, I was hoping to get it all done in two months, but it did not happen like that. Um, you know, I was 44 when I started losing weight. And, um, you know, I, what I, and now that I work with a lot of people to help them lose weight, you know, I've come to see that for, you know, I mean, once... I don't know. I hate to say it, but once you get a little older, as you're a woman, you've had children, like, you know, hormonal stuff changes and a pound a week is great. Yeah. It's great. And no matter what kind of diet you're following and even, you know, the most effective one, I, it's still, you know, it still goes at a, you know, a steady pace and that's yep. okay. So, uh, you know, I think I started in September of 2015 and I didn't reach my goal until, uh, February of 2017. So, okay. and was there, uh, an exercise component to it as well? I mean, you know, or was that like a, a significant component to the weight loss part of it? Or was this, would you say major, like mostly because of the food that you were eating? Well, so when I first started, um, you know, I mean, I wanted to lose weight and obviously look better, but really my biggest motivations was how tired I was and how much mm. pain I was in. So, uh, you know, I had gotten to the point where like, you know, it was all I could do to get up, go to work, come home and sit down on the couch. Like I couldn't, you know, I really didn't have the energy to like go hang out with people and do stuff. And I had plantar fasciitis. So walking was painful. Going up and down stairs was painful on my knees. And um, I live in, you know, in New York City. So I'm taking the subway all the time. I live in a walk up like stairs were a regular part of my life. So just basic activities were really so overwhelming and and like getting up in the morning you know i it, it felt like all these aches and pains and it took so much effort to like get up and like go to the bathroom and and it was just like i can't I, you know is this really what like middle age is like i mean <laughs> it sucks so when i first decided to lose weight it was really more about like the energy and um and so to that end, I just decided like, it's enough to just change my food, like just try to throw on exercise afterwards was just too much. So I, um, you know, and in the past, like every time I'd want to lose weight, I would throw everything at it. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do an hour of cardio, an hour of weightlifting, and I'm going to eat only green things. And it's going to be less than a thousand calories in a day. And of course that plan lasts like two days at best. Right. Yeah. So this time I said I was going to be so easy on myself and I just was going to go, I was going to do like George, you know, from, uh, from Seinfeld, like whatever my instinct is, I'm going to do the exact opposite. <laughs> so, yeah. So I decided I wasn't going to work exercise at all until I felt like it. And so 
I, you know, about 30 pounds in, I, I then started to feel like it, which was yeah. kind of like, wow, you know, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so I decided I was going to go get the gym membership and I got it. And then still two weeks went by before I actually got up out of bed in the morning to go do it. But every morning it was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go. And then I'd wake up like 45 minutes later and it was like, oh, I guess not. So finally I said, okay, I'm going to make this so easy. No commitment. All I have to do is walk into the building, scan my key fob, and then I can go home and go back to bed. And so most days I would go into the gym and actually do something. But there were days that I just went, I scanned my key fob and I went home and I went back to bed. And mm -hmm. I, you know, since I had made the bar so low, it was fine. And then I would say to myself, you know, once I got inside, okay, I only have to spend five minutes on an elliptical or whatever machine I want. doesn't matter. I just have to do five minutes. And if I do that, I can leave or I can stay. And I would do five minutes. And then a lot of times I'd be like, okay, I can do more. And then some days I would, you know, that would be the end of it. So I feel like being super, super easy on myself so that it wasn't horrible was, you know, the key for me. And, um, and then I made sure to do it by my, um, you know, my heart rate. So it was like, I would make sure that I was exercising at, um, I don't know, where are we supposed to be? Like 70% of your maximum heart rate. So I made sure that my heart range was in that area. And I realized when I did that, you know, instead of like having this goal of being at level four or whatever it is, and I'm huffing and puffing and, you know, and it's so much work. But by focusing on being at the right heart rate for me, it meant that the exercise was okay. I mean, it, and it, and it, after a while it was like, oh, you know, I see why people think this is kind of pleasurable. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that for a while and then, uh, you know, and then I decided I wanted to get a little more focused with it and I started to lift weights. And um, in the beginning I didn't know what I was doing and it took a whole lot of courage to go into the guy side of the gym and be like, oh. And, um, you know, so I finally, I got on YouTube and I like figured stuff out and I made a whole routine and I wrote everything down and I brought my little paper with me and I would like write down what I was doing and write down the weights. And over time I discovered that I really don't like cardio so much and I liked weights and I just did more weights and I stopped doing so much cardio and then I stopped doing any cardio and I was mm -hmm. just doing weights and man, my body just like transformed. So I went through a good six month period where I would lose zero pounds one week and then 1.2 the next and then zero pounds and then 1.6 and then zero pounds and 1.2. And after a while, I just had to get used to that and accept that that was like my body's pattern and not freak out over it because you know how you can freak mm -hmm. out. Um, and I also got into the habit of taking a photograph every single day. So over time, I was able to compare myself like in the same dress, but you know, from week to week. So I could put together a collage. So those weeks that I lost zero pounds, I could still look at myself in the same outfit from one week to the next. And I could see that I was, that the dress was getting looser, even if there was no change on the scale. And that was what helped me kind of get through that. But once I started weightlifting, like the just the weight loss on the scales kind of stopped, but my body just, wow, I had no idea that there could be that kind of transformation. So uh, I, I loved that. I love a lot of the things that you're saying because it's one of those things, some of the stuff that you're saying is pretty universal, but it still somehow has to be experienced to be believed. Like people won't <laughs> hear it from other people first. Like I love one of the things that you said about 
like sort of setting the bar kind of low, but in, but progressively raising it, right? Because one of the things that I've done a little bit of um, like health coaching with individuals and usually women, and it's not sort of my main gig, but I do it sometimes. And one of the things that I've had to, I've had to adjust and, and evolve, but also really encourage with clients is this idea of moving much more slowly than you want to because everybody of course once you get the motivation once you hit that point where you're like okay now i really want to change you of course want to go from zero to 100 everybody wants to do that and everybody thinks they're going to be the one person who can like maintain it and not freak out or burn out or whatever right but like the idea of like if your entire life your food your sleep your stress your exercise everything is a mess to try to change all of it at once is nuts, yeah. but everyone tries to do it. So instead to think like, you know what? All I want you to do is like maybe eat some protein with your breakfast this morning. That's it. You don't have to exercise. You can eat garbage the rest of the time if you want to, whatever it is you're doing, just this one change. And when you do that and you realize you can do it and it's empowering, it's like this whole kind of like positive reinforcement that then months from now you don't even recognize your life because you've made so many changes but it's this progressive kind of attitude um so i really am glad that you said that because i feel like the more people who say it maybe the more other people will believe it um and then also yeah. the concept of lifting weights being good for women and their body composition and even how you feel and following the kinds of exercise that you like that makes you happy too right because there mm -hmm. are some people out there i'm with you i'm on your team like, I don't understand the cardio, like liking cardio. I don't know what that is, but a lot of people do. Right. And I think that if you, you know, if you hate, uh, yoga, but you force yourself to go like, again, that's not a sustainable plan, right? Like there are so many ways to be active and be strong and be in touch with your body that like, you can find the one that you like that you're going to keep up and you're going to keep doing. So I think that's important to note too. Um, another question that I had for you, you, so you, you, you were keto before you were carnivore, right? Mm -hmm. And you were saying that you were still kind of having some uh, negative sort of health issues. So things like allergies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm probably a person that um, <laughs> just has tons of allergies. So, uh, you know, so there are definitely things that bother me that perhaps don't bother other people. But the biggest thing for me was dairy. So when I went carnivore, you know, I mean, Dairy is, you know, it's obviously an animal product, but when I took it out, that's when my uh, allergies completely resolved and that's when my asthma went away. So um, the first six months I was doing carnivore, I, I was eating cheese and I, you know, I still had problems and issues with breathing. But, um, you know, because I associated problems with dairy having to do with, um, you know, digestive trouble, then it was like, well, you know, I, I seem to be okay with that. That's not bothering me. Dairy is not a problem. But so many people said, you know, dairy is a problem for a lot of people. You should really test it. That I was like, okay, let me go ahead and finally test it. And so I, but I had just bought like, uh, you know, like a, almost a pound of like fancy cheese. So um, <laughs> like I got to eat I decided, this. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I decided to go ahead and test it. So I, I took out for uh, like two weeks and then I was out with my mom and she bought, you know, that bag of wisps, you know, those little cracker things. And so I had like three. So that's not even a full serving. And within a few hours, I was like needing my inhaler again. And I was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Oh, she's gone. <laughs> no, I'm here. 
but there I was are. like, oh, my, you know, my, um, in, uh, I, I need my inhaler. And so then I was like, well, let me, let me be sure. Cause you know, I don't want to like unnecessarily remove cheese. And I, um, so I went on over the next like a uh, week or so like testing and then going a couple of days without and testing. And then finally it was clear that it, the cheese was absolutely the problem. And, um, I, you know, I think the last night it was like, I had some with dinner and I woke up a few hours later and in my dream, I was looking for my inhaler and I woke up and I was like, Oh, I need my inhaler. And then mm. I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> um, this is a problem. And so then when you, you said you, you tried this carnivore thing, like you were like, all right. And again, I appreciate another thing I appreciate is this willingness to sort of give things a shot. You know what I mean? Like, even if they sound crazy, like I remember, like my background is more paleo. And I remember when I got into paleo, I did that not because I necessarily even had any health issues to resolve, but because I wanted to optimize my health. And because it seemed like it just made so much common sense as a starting point, right? Like get rid of processed food, eat natural food that doesn't have an ingredient list, like all of those things. And there's a lot of misinformation out there, but I remember my friends being like, but if you don't eat carbs, you'll die. Like you have to eat carbs. Like if, how could you not eat carbs? And there was like the concept of, first of all, that's not even accurate, but also there's plenty of carbs in, in fruits and vegetables. And, you know, so there's all this kind of stuff. And so when I first heard about carnivore, like I remember thinking too, and I've always been a very meat-based, like protein forward person thinking like, that's still a bit extreme, like even for me, but I still was willing to give it a shot. And that's one of the things that I think people in the fitness and wellness industry should, should maybe be uh, just trying to be a little bit more open-minded, not necessarily blindly following every new fad that comes out just because somebody with abs does it, but like the idea of be, like just being willing to experiment with yourself, because I think that's how you find lasting health is you do your research, you, you know, follow people that you trust and you have conversations, but at the end of the day, Keto doesn't work for everybody. Carnivore doesn't work for everybody. Nothing works for everybody. You have to be willing to do the work and try it yourself, right? Um, so when you said that you started doing carnivore and like within a couple of days, you were like, yeah, this, this is it, this works for me. What was happening that, that was so significant? Well, I think the very first thing is I just felt so much more energy. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I mean, I had a lot of health issues going on at the time that were pretty significant. So, um, so I had endometriosis, so that was one thing. And so I was, uh, well, this is for the ladies, but you know, mm -hmm. I was excessively bleeding mm -hmm. and it had been for months. And so I was severely, severely anemic, although I didn't know it at the time. Um, and also my asthma was probably at its worst at that point in time. And so I was having a lot of trouble breathing. And so the combination of being anemic, so not having enough red blood cells, bringing oxygen around, and then also not being able to breathe very well and not bringing in enough oxygen, I just was kind of a mess. So that first two days, like I, um, I was actually just trying to lose a little more weight and I had seen this, um, this uh, beef and butter fast where you eat like a cup of ground beef and then add some butter to it and you just eat that for like yeah. three or four days. So I was like, okay, I'll try that. So I ate that, you know, and like the first two days I was just like, I mean, it was like, I was finally breathing. I mean, I just had a burst of energy, which I now think in retrospect was one removing the, the, the dairy, um, 
And I, I do see butter as dairy, but it doesn't have nearly as much of the stuff that bothers me that's in cheese. But one, removing the dairy, and two, the I think I am particularly um, energized by like medium chain fatty acids. So that that's in the butter too, it just all of a sudden I was just like, wow, I'm awake. Mm. wow mm -hmm. and so I just kept going and I did that for I ate that way for like two or three weeks <laughs> and you know I um like you'd think I would get tired of ground beef and butter but I was like I don't I'm not tired of it. I mean yeah <laughs> no. just a brief interruption guys to tell you about today's show sponsor don't fast forward okay listen, it's important. Today's show sponsor is a company making my favorite CBD products on the planet. And as someone who has tried a lot of these products and uses CBD almost daily for relaxation, to combat inflammation, muscle soreness, all of that, I think that's saying a lot. These products have truly been one of the most game-changing supplements that I have ever used. Uh, Santa Cruz Medicinals makes CBD products sourced in Colorado and they are third-party lab-tested. It says right on their website that you can email them directly for results on any of their products. Ask them any questions. They're going to be transparent with you. Their tinctures are all housed in MCT or coconut oil because we know that things like these are more bioavailable in the presence of a fat source. They have tons of products. They have some sort of more no-nonsense stuff like CBD uh, in straight MCT oil, which has zero of that uh, kind of grassy weed spit flavor that you get from a lot of tinctures. They also have a whole range of flavored ones that you can use in your baking, your coffee, put directly in your mouth like I do. They've got cherry vanilla, chocolate chip, guava, peppermint. It's pretty awesome. They also have a lot of uh, skincare products. They've got this pain lotion uh, for sore muscles that I actually included as part of a healthy subscription box uh, project that I did last year. And I couldn't believe the feedback I got about this stuff. People with chronic pain, high-level athletes, so many people came back to me saying that they noticed a marked difference in how they felt after using it and how quickly their muscle pain subsided. It's really impressive for a topical product. So uh, I love this company. They're transparent. They're the real deal. They're always innovating and coming out with new products. And I'm happy to use their stuff and support them like they have always supported me. So if you have any questions about Santa Cruz Medicinals, uh, reach out to them on Instagram at Santa Cruz Medicinals. You can talk to me on Instagram at The Muscle Maven. Happy to answer any questions. Um, and you can head to their website, of course. It's scmedicinals.com. Shop all of their amazing products and uh, do some further research for yourself. And of course, use the code MUSCLEMAVEN for a 15% discount. So, so what is your diet like on a daily and even weekly basis look like now? Well, actually people ask me that, especially in my community all the time, because we have, um, I'm at, people are coming to join us all the time who have, um, you know, who are just like getting curious about carnivore or don't really know what to do. And I just did a two week challenge with a whole bunch of people. Just, I called it the 14 day ketosis challenge because I do want people to understand, even though, you know, I follow a carnivore diet, I consider myself to be on a ketogenic diet. I, it is important for me to be burning fat for energy rather than sugar. So I don't just have this arbitrary line, like, is it animal or is it not? Like it's, is this 
health promoting? Is this optimizing my, my daily living or is it not? Like that's the important part for me. So, um, you know, so I, I help people and I think that the fastest and easiest and most seamless way to get into a carnivore, I mean, into ketosis is like a strict carnivore diet. From there, you can decide where you want to be, how good you want to feel, but like, that's a really great way to start. So, um, Oh, I lost the thread. What was I going <laughs> How are you eating? Oh, right, right, right. So people ask me that all the time. So I just, just started um, making like one minute long videos on, um, on uh, YouTube where I just show what I've eaten today. And, uh, you know, hopefully that will help people get a little more clarity. So uh, on Saturday, I had scrambled eggs for breakfast, three scrambled eggs. And then uh, for dinner, I had um, two chicken thigh leg things mm. that I um, coated in pork rind panko and fried in the air fryer. And so I had fried chicken. So good. So, yeah. Oh, my God. It was so good. So good. <laughs> it's like, air fryers wait, are like I, game changer yeah. too, right? Yeah. So good. Yeah. I know, and I finally invested in a more expensive one, the um, the Ninja air fryer, and uh, that that nonstick coating is amazing. It doesn't chip, which is so key because all my other ones like would chip, and so it's just so it's so easy. Um, I I love it. So <laughs> so I've been using, and it has a dehydrator function. So I've been making a lot of. Um, beef jerky, which is what I had for breakfast yesterday. Nice. I have a, I've uh, actually made um, dehydrated beef heart for my dog who loves, loves something. And okay. so, yeah, that's good stuff. I was just going to tell you in my book, which you're going to get a copy of in like a month or so, I have beef heart jerky, but it is for humans. <laughs> of course, dogs can eat it too, but the, yeah. uh, I don't know, maybe I was inspired walking into a pet store or something when I see all the like pig ears and like bone marrow. And I'm like, I would eat that even though that's for a dog. But anyway, but the, the beef heart jerky that I, I made, and it's not, it's simple. It's nothing like super fancy. I kind of created my own marinade, but it's essentially, it's just sliced beef beef heart it is tastier than any beef jerky i've ever bought like because beef heart i mean i don't know if you're a fan of of heart um but it's it just has a richer like when i eat meat i like the meat to taste like meat like i've never been like a chicken breast or like a you know mm -hmm. I, I like i prefer like gamier meats or wild game and stuff like that because i just like the, mm -hmm. the taste of it more and there's something about the beef heart turning it into jerky that's actually like really tasty so maybe next time you make the the pet snacks you can try some and see what you think no, no, I, I absolutely have tried it. So okay. the first couple of times I made it, I didn't really like it. The last two times I've made it, I've liked it better. I think, well, I, beef heart has definitely a flavor that I, it's taken some time to get used to. Um, I think when I put more salt on it, that's better for me. Um, but the very first time I made it, I, I don't know how I did it, but I somehow must have sliced it so thin. They were like potato chips. Mm -hmm. So they crunched in the mouth like potato chips. And if I'd give them to my dog, you'd hear her like smacking like potato chips. I've never been able to recreate that. I don't know what I did or how that happened. Yeah, but that's cool. I don't know. But now I put things on it like, you know, um, I, I love to put cinnamon on beef. I, I don't know if anybody else does that. It, it gives it, it gives it a warmer 
Mm -hmm. flavor. So I put cinnamon on mine um, just a tiny bit. I like to put thyme or rosemary that smells so good when it's like dehydrating mm -hmm. and roasting. So uh, yeah, so you know, I like to mix it up and put different kinds of stuff on it. That actually reminds me, I have a, uh, I have like a cinnamon beef cheeks recipe too. It's like cinnamon and clove and because I, I, I kind of like, yeah. like, like you said at the beginning, like you, one of your big struggles was like this sort of sugar sweets kind of cravings that you couldn't get, get over. And that, that's always mine too. Like if I'm stressed or if I fall off the wagon and eat a bunch of garbage, it's never going to be like pizza and chips. It's going to be something sweet. And so I'm always trying to like find ways to eat sweet things that aren't detrimental yeah. to my health. And like, and anytime yeah. I add cinnamon to anything, it kind of just makes me feel like, even if I'm not eating a sweet thing. Um, so going back to you're talking about how you're eating a carnivore diet, but you're still kind of in the headspace of like making sure this is sort of a ketogenic diet as well, so that you're burning fat, you're not burning sugar. Are you then paying attention to like macros and stuff? Or are you just kind of eating intuitively and because you're not eating any extra carbs, you're kind of like, you're, you're feeling like you're in ketosis? Are you tracking that? How does that work? Uh, so no, I don't track macros or anything like that. Um, I do test my ketones from time to time and, uh, I, you know, I've actually noticed now that they're super low, like 0 0.3, 0 0.4, which I think is that I'm fat adapted and so now don't produce that much and uh, my body's burning fat directly as well. So I think that's what's happening, but, um, you know, I... I I just eat intuitively. Um, in the beginning, I was playing around with things a lot. And, you know, there was that a time when we were talking about the pro protein leverage hypothesis and, and all of that. So I would kind of swing from, um, you know, the, the, the furthest edges to try, try things. So I, at one point tried essentially like a protein sparing modified fast where you're eating like super, super lean, the, the correct amount of protein and then, you know, nothing else. So, um, so that's what I did. And I, you know, I didn't really notice it at the time. Like I, um, you know, in the midst of it, I didn't really notice anything, but then one day I think I was about two and a half weeks in, maybe three weeks, I had gotten some short ribs. And so, you know, I just made short ribs for breakfast and I ate them. And then within about 20 minutes, it was like the skies open and like angels were singing. I mean, I just felt joyous for no reason. Nothing had changed, you know, from 20 minutes to the next, nothing had changed, but I just felt joy. And I realized at that point that it was the fat, you know, I had been cutting the fat and I look in, in retrospect, looking back, it was like, oh yeah, you know, I had been getting more and more depressed, more and more bummed and more and more pessimistic in my thinking. And it was the fat. So after that, I, I really came to see how important fat is in just in terms of your mood and your, you know, your brain function and it, it matters and mm -hmm. the type of fat, you know, really does matter too. So I became much more conscious of like what kind of fat I was getting from what animal, it, you know, is it grass fed? Is it the best quality that I can get? Um, so, so I think that really does matter. Then I tried, you know, the other end where you're going like super high fat. Um, I, you know, I find it hard to do that because it's like, I, I don't really like suet. 
I can't always get beef fat trimmings. I live in New York where meat is trimmed to death, you know, so even a ribeye is, is very sleek and thin. And mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's hard for me. And like, unless I'm going to eat like a bar of butter, like, yeah. you know, I don't know. And I, I just kind of feel like, you know, it's just, it's um, trying to isolate these macros leads you to eating weird. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, fat and meat come together in nature. They don't really come apart. So like trying to separate them out and then bring them together to get your macros to a specific spot just leads you to eating weird things. So I, you know, have just made my effort to eat fatty things. So bellies and tails are typically the fattest things. And so whatever animal I get, I try to get those things. Um, and, uh, you know, and chuck roast, I just love the flavor of. So, you know, as much as I can get chuck roast, that's, that's where I go. And, you know, and then it all works out. Now my stomach has definitely evolved so that I can eat um, rendered fat without, uh, you know, the gastrointestinal distress that, um, you know, I once did and, and that other people complain about. So I think your stomach does eventually get to the point where you're kind of able to handle a lot of fat. Although for some people, they never do. There are some people in my community that still eat very lean, even salmon is too fatty for them. Hmm. So, um, you know, so I think, it just like everybody's body again is very particular and you kind of have to test the, these things out. But I notice I definitely feel different and better the more fat that I'm including and the more animal fat. So, and unprocessed animal fat. So mm -hmm. people often ask me about, you know, oils and which oils are okay. And it's kind of like, you know, I mean, we, here we are, you know, we're paleo, we're keto. We talk about eating unprocessed whole foods. Well, oil in a bottle is very, very processed. Um, you know, the fat mm -hmm. on the edge of your steak is the other end of that. So yeah. yeah. Are there any animals that you don't eat? I'm allergic to shrimp. Okay. But you're, so, you, you know, generally like seafood, any kind of, you know, pigs, cows, chickens, other fowl, like you're pretty much game for whatever. Yeah, if it's uh, if it's, if it's allowed, me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's presented to me, I'll eat it. Um, yeah. In the zombie apocalypse, I think that pet stores are definitely the place to go. In trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, you know, I mean, once the supermarkets are are cleared out, you know, you're. Yeah, you're I hear of, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. with you on that. Um, what about yeah. what about more like traditional? You've talked about a couple different types of fasting, and this is again just sort of like a descriptor to give different types of like temporary methodologies that are like more um, uh, restricting types of foods than like traditional fasting in that you're still eating, right? Um, but do, mm -hmm. you, do you play around with any kind of like water only fasting, fasting and, and when and how and why, if you can get into that a bit? Yeah, you know, I did, I've, um, I've experimented on and off and, um, and done some extended fasts and I then decided to take a long break from fasting. So, uh, you know, I was trying to do uh, some extended fasts like in December and in, in January, then, um, you know, my mom got really sick and then passed away and then, you know, quarantine happened and, mm -hmm. you know, everything. So I was just like, I don't, you know, I don't want to do anything hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, but you know, recently I, so I have, uh, with my community, we do zoom meetings a couple of times a week and we also invite doctors to come in. And so we had the, the fasting doctor from Instagram come in and talk to us. And, um, she, you know, kind of a, a lot of our group, um, does some form of fasting, whether it's OMAD, intermittent fasting or extended day fasting. So, uh, you know, we were sort of inspired to do a group fast together this week for, for one day. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so we're probably going to do that. And so I'm going to, you know, try again, but it, it was actually really comforting to talk to her and understand that, uh, especially given the fact that we're, you know, in ketosis, um, and following a carnivore diet that, um, you know, we may not need the 72 hours that, that other people might need in order to get, you know, to peak that autophagy. Um, and, uh, and that there are benefits, you know, I, I asked her, like, what's the minimum amount of fasting um, that you need to do in order to gain benefit? Like, is 12 hours enough, 14 hours enough? And she's kind of like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So then why um, am I doing this for five days? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I mean, as a kid, you know, like dinner was over at six or, you know, dinner was at six and breakfast is at eight. And I, you know, we didn't eat between those. And so the kitchen was closed and it's kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, so that's what people normally did like for eons. So yeah. I, yeah, it doesn't have to be this whole Herculean thing. And just like going back to the exercise and the weight loss regimen, I think mm -hmm. women, you know, we... We just, you know, I, I really fight against the language that I hear because so many times I hear people saying, oh, you know, I'm so lazy, like I can't get this going. And I'm like, wait, hold on. You know, you've yeah. got like multiple degrees. You've got, you know, jobs, children, you've purchased a home. I mean, you've done lots of things that require long-term sustained effort. Like lazy is not the word here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and in fact, I think, you know, we've been duped, lied to, given wrong information so that we are absolutely unable to succeed because the information is wrong. And, and so, you know, now that I have a different understanding of fasting, it's like, oh, you know, I yeah. think that I can do this in a better way that's easier and more mm -hmm. effective in the long run. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that too, because from a purely pragmatic standpoint, it also just doesn't help to try to change your behavior or change your your habits by telling yourself that you're lazy or not that great you know what i mean like if we yeah. if we could become like perfect and successful and look perfect by telling ourselves that we're lazy and crappy and terrible at things we'd all be perfect wouldn't we because everybody talks shit about themselves it's ridiculous um but i think that that yeah that's such a it's such a again a common sense thing but if you you know if if you can learn to respect yourself where you are and still like that balance of like recognizing that you want to improve things and that there are things you can improve and things you can do better, but still love where you are at the moment, that's the perfect place to be. Because if you're, if you're trying to reach for something else from like this desperate fear of not being good enough now, that's such a, it's such a scary, yeah. it's such a scary, dark place to try to climb out of. Right. And I think so many of us fall into that pattern because we think if we're just hard on ourselves, then we'll, we'll change, you know, and that it just, yeah. that's not the way it works, you know? And I also yeah. think like going back to the fasting thing, I like the idea again of, I think with any of these methodologies, whether it's strict carnivore, whether it's fasting, it's about getting really clear on what 
the goal or the out the intended outcome is and then working back from there to decide what you want to do like you talk about the fasting thing and so many people they hear about fasting and they think like it's this catch-all that's going to make you healthier and lose weight and feel better and all these things and so then if some fasting is good then more fasting is better and everyone's just kind of like you know it's like this spiral instead of thinking like look at my physiology, look at my goals, look at what's worked and what hasn't worked for me in the past. What do I want to get out of this? That's going to help inform what type of fasting I want to do, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's just, again, it's so easy for us to kind of just like, and I speak from experience too, because I love trying everything, but like jumping on a bandwagon because yeah. it's, there it is. Let's try this. Let's try a five day fast. That sounds challenging and hard and scary yeah. and that'll work, <laughs> you know? And like, yeah. do you need to though? And like, why do you need to, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Okay, I'd like to ask you too about um, supplements. Like, do you, now that you're kind of like into the carnivore thing, like pretty pretty strictly or pretty regularly, are there things or that you supplement with or that you find you need? Uh, no. Um, so I, you know, like everybody, like when a new thing is brought up, I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go buy this. So I have, you know, a a whole shelf of like collagen powder and bone meal and, you know, this and emu oil and this and that. Um, it's just, I, you know, I, I don't like taking things all the time and having to remember to take things. So um, I usually tend to fall off, but also like, I don't, you know, I usually don't notice a difference. So, you know, that's great. So, no. So I, I mean, if you think about, I think of electrolytes would be the only thing that I, I mean, I consider that like a food group, you know, yeah. so I salt my food, um, heavily and I, um, I definitely pay attention to my electrolytes and, uh, and, and I use, uh, I carry salt with me if I go places, stuff like that. So that I absolutely do, um, make sure to take, I, I do have magnesium. I don't always remember to take it or think about taking it as separate and apart from like electrolyte drops that I might use. Uh, and you know, I have potassium and other stuff available. I've, I feel like I should have it in case, you know, mm -hmm. something comes up, but you know, I don't really, um, I don't take potassium separate, uh, you know, separate from other stuff. I mean, that's a great space to be in. If you feel like you're getting everything you need and you don't need to supplement, I feel like that's one of the biggest sort of, um, arguments against a like strict vegan diet for yeah. a lot of people is the fact that like truly realistically for 99.9% .9 of the planet, if you are doing a strict vegan diet, you will have to supplement for these essential vitamins and minerals mm -hmm. and amino acids that you're just not getting. And if the diet that you're doing, you, you don't, there's no requirement. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good testimonial in its own. Um, do you still sometimes eat other things? Like, do you sneak some vegetables in there sometimes? Do you eat like non-animal fats? Like what kind of, are you doing anything like that? No. Uh, so, um, as far as vegetables go, you know, no, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember when I, eat wow. like a vegetable. So, um, you know, I mean, if I'm going to go off, it's going to be like chocolate cake, M&Ms. Yeah. Like, why would I, you know, Fair. why would I go off to eat like toast? That's very relatable um, to me. But if you do yeah. though, so say you say like tomorrow it's somebody's birthday and you eat some chocolate cake. Um, 
how do you feel after, do you feel like you can get like back on the wagon and not experience cravings the same? Or do you feel like they come flooding back and you're like, oh yeah, now I remember why I was addicted to sugar. Like, how is that experience for you? So, you know, I finally made the decision not to go off anymore. So I do think that I am addicted to sugar and not just like, you know, how we're all like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm addicted to sugar. I love it. But like my brain lights up when I eat it and it changes the way my brain physically operates. And so it's an addiction in that respect. And so I've come to understand that I can't have any and, you know, um, I, I, even when I have sweet tastes, it lights up my brain in a way that I, you know, I can't control. Um, so, you know, I would still eat like, uh, um, sugarless chewing gum and that itself was a problem for me. And, uh, you know, one time I like decided to measure my blood sugar before and after having some gum and my, my blood sugar went from 84 to 110. Um, you know, in the span of a, like a, you know, a half hour or 45 minutes from like the chewing gum. And it was like, crazy. Wow, you know, and this is artificial sweetener. So I um, realized that it's just not for me. Um, so I think the last time I had some uh, dentine fire, that was my flavor, was in um, early June. Or maybe even, yeah, early June. So, um, so I decided I, I'm not going to play around with it anymore. I'm done and it's over. So no, I'm not going to have the chocolate cake. No, I'm not going to have those things. It doesn't, it doesn't serve me and it's, it's not food. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past I, you know, I have gone off and I have had these things and in every circumstance it has always been, um, a mess. Like I feel horrible. Of course I become immediately bloated. My skin becomes very itchy. Uh, you know, I still, um, like I have eczema allergies and, um, and asthma. And those are three things that usually travel together. So, uh, you know, as soon as one flares up, everything flares up. So, you know, breathing becomes more difficult. My, you know, nose becomes more congested. My skin gets itchy. I get bloated. Um, I have massive cravings. And in some cases it takes like a week, maybe two to get fully back on the wagon. Cause you have those cravings and it's kind of like, well, I had the chocolate cake and, um, you know, I, I, I love this other thing. So let me go eat all the things, get it all Mm -hmm. out of my system and then Mm -hmm. I'll get back on the wagon. So I come out of it, you know, heavier feeling gross and, you know, and it's, and it takes a while to get back to that place where your brain is not like, Hey, you know, more, more, Mm -hmm. more. And it just is, it's, um, it was too much. And I decided, you know, and I realized too, even like, even that gum, you know, starts that process in my mind and it might be weeks or, you know, uh, you know, a month, but still starting with that sweet taste of the gum leads me to the chocolate cake. Like that's always the end, the end of the road. Yep. Yep. So I, I finally was like, I, I know this road. I I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done with it. So yeah. Well, what you're saying is very uh, relatable because we've all been there and we literally, we all know what it's like when we're like, let's just treat ourselves and have like this one cookie. And then as soon as it hits your mouth, you're like, I know where this story ends. Like in two days after a binge of nightmare food and you're starting all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's relatable. Um, And the thing too with sugar is that I feel like it's sort of a bomb that goes out off in your mouth. And so I don't have any, um, my, my 
taste buds like are you know they're obliterated by sugar that's all you can taste once you've had some sweet and so my taste for things change and you know what i used to think of as tasting sweet um or or, or as tasting bitter you know i it is i mean it's a thousand times more bitter or when i uh, taste like vegetables and i i realize how you know how sweet they are i think your light just went out yeah it's fine i'm still here oh. Okay. Tech issues all day long. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but, but vegetables become much sweeter. And so, um, you know, now if I ate like red peppers, that's almost like candy to me. Yeah. But I don't think you, until you take out the sweet, you're not able to really discern that. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I'm like, if people can tolerate vegetables, then, you know, that's fine, you know, have some, but I think that you'll find once you really, really cut out sweet and you don't have it for quite a long time, there's, you start to be able to, t t to detect the sweetness in mm -hmm. a lot of these vegetables and they can provide you with quite a lot of pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit, because I don't want to keep you forever, um, but I'd like to talk a little bit about the community that you're creating, um, because I think it's very cool and I think it's important. And I, I, I just like to know like what your experience has been with trying to have some, oh, she's gone again. <laughs> No. have some some visibility ironically enough as we go dark there we go have some <laughs> visibility in this community that again like speaking from my own experience having been sort of a journalist and a, a person in the like paleo ancestral health uh world for the past decade i can say that visibly it's an extremely white community um and that's not to say that it actually is it's just when you listen to the podcast when you read the books when you you know follow the big names like it's it's white people and and it's usually white men. Um, so talk a little bit about why it was important to you to make sure that you were a place where black people and people of color who were trying to learn about this diet or this kind of part of the health world could come find you. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's ironic that we think of like the carnivore space and um, well, and the paleo space as so white male because when i look around i see like it seems like 75 percent of the people are middle-aged women who have struggled so much with their their yeah. health that they're experimenting and they're trying things that people that the rest of the world is not yet ready to try Mm. Um, and so, you know, the people that I see coming to carnivore are not the people who are just sort of experimenting and want to see, you know, what's going on, but they're the people who are like having, um, significant health problems due to a lifetime of poor eating and restricting, um, or, you know, the, the chronic metabolic diseases that are not, you know, that, that are being exacerbated by the things that we eat. So that's kind of who I see. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this, I think is the, the healthiest way to eat. And I really want to make sure that people see themselves reflected in, um, you know, the, the leadership and people talking about this way of eating and so are willing to try it. Um, you know, I, I watched, um, 
some of these people, and I'm not like a, a huge, like, you know, exercise person. I mean, I do it, but you know, like that's not my, my um, space. And so hearing someone who's super fit and, um, you know, works out a ton talking about it, like is not super motivating to me because it doesn't reflect any about any of my, my life and, and um, you know, my energy level and interest. So I just want to make sure that we have a broad spectrum of people talking about this way of eating to, um, you know, to encourage people from all aspects of life to, to get involved with it. And, um, you know, and in particular, you know, I think that the way people talk about carnivore is, you know, it's very, you know, male and, you know, aggressive and hunting and, you know, just all things, you know, whatever. But it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how we get this lost because, you know, all things to do with food and nourishment and preparation, you know, we typically think of as female things. Mm. So it's like, how do these two things like suddenly get so off track? And then you think about like, who most needs to be eating nutrient dense food is people creating babies, um, people who still like bleed every month and are having to operate and function in the world. Yep. Like, why are we not the ones who most are talking about eating meat, but you know, somehow that's how it's gotten lost. So, um, you know, and I feel like the, also the, the language and the, and the rhetoric is that, um, you know, we have to bring this diet to, uh, you know, to the black community or, or um, low income communities. And, the, and first of all, I want to be clear that black and low income are not synonymous. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, we, um, it, the the intersection i mean there is an intersection but that is not um that's not how we need to be thinking about and talking about this um but uh in fact when i looked around and, and named myself this and you know and, and essentially made myself into a magnet um i see there's a lot of us who are eating this way we just you know we're just not seen um you know, and why people choose not to see or acknowledge that we're here is, you know, it's another story, but we are here. And, um, and so by pulling us together, I'm starting to see the numbers, but there are, uh, you know, I mean, keto is, uh, I mean, of course, in the broader, uh, you know, world, it's, it's still considered this crazy fringe diet, even though it's the most popular diet. And that is, this is the way everyone is going and losing weight. So, um, you know, but when I look out there, there's tons of black people that are eating a ketogenic diet. And every day, some of those are like, hmm, what's this carnivore thing? Or, or they're already eating carnivore. They just like, I hate vegetables and I'm not eating them. And then like, oh, this is a diet. There's a whole community. Okay. I can get away with this and call it healthy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, we're doing it. We're, we're interested in it. I'm bringing us together and I'm hoping that, you know, we can uh, continue to support each other. So we have a Zoom group where we meet three times a week to give ourselves um, support. We have a Facebook group where, you know, we provide support. Um, you know, I've been getting uh, doctors, uh, low carb doctors to come in and speak to us and provide us um, with information. And I have a, you know, a YouTube channel. I do live streams twice a week to, uh, you know, to build community that way and to spread the word. And and um, I did this challenge and I'm going to continue to provide things, uh, information and education that um, will help, you know, help people to continue to do this. So, mm -hmm. 
we're here and um, and the most exciting thing actually was uh, last week we did a live stream interview with Dr. Um, Tony Hampton and one of the things that I had said I would really like to do is as we build our numbers to do research on us. So there's never any you know medical research on the black population period and certainly not uh, when it comes to following a ketogenic or low carb or a carnivore diet. So I would like to, uh, you know, to do that. And he was like, yeah, you can do it. You know, I'll help you. I'll help you design a study and help you figure it out. But you actually, I, like as it stands right now, we have enough numbers to do it and we can do it. So that is definitely, you know, a longer term uh, goal that I, I intend to do. And, um, you know, and the way that we have talked about, uh, about this is, um, and the way I built the community is we're a... Um, we're a meat-based whole foods lifestyle. So I consider everyone who's eating, uh, you know, whole foods keto on up to strict carnivore, we're all in the carnivore family. I mean, so if you look at the biological definition, a hyper carnivore is any animal that eats 70% or more of its, uh, you know, food, daily food from animal products. So that's good enough for me. So everybody who is whole foods keto on up is we're all carnivore. And um, I try to start people off at, at the essentially what's an elimination diet, you know, the food that is least likely to cause a problem, get everybody into ketosis, get everyone solidly um, on their way to being fat adapted. And then at that point, we can start to experiment with what you can, uh, you know, reincorporate that doesn't bother you. Um, but even two of my, um, you know, uh, members who, uh, you know, there's a couple of us who, uh, you know, really work closely to, to help grow and build the community and support each other. But, you know, they've been carnivore for a couple of years, you know, at goal weight, totally happy, you know, health wise, but they decided, all right, let me, let me try this, you know, no dairy thing. And, um, <laughs> they were distressed to see that they improved. They saw a significant improvement. Um, and then, you know, another woman who's uh, been keto for quite some time, lost over 100 pounds, has her own community. Um, she, you know, joined in the ketosis, um, you know, the 14-day ketosis challenge. And so she went like strict carnivore and uh, she put up a, a big post. Her name is actually Black and Keto on Instagram. But she, uh, you know, put up her results and she too was like, you know, she saw significant um, uh, reduction in inflammation and just a whole lot more comfort, no, no cravings, a lot, uh, just a very different feel. So it's, you know, there's something to removing the plant foods that is, is you know, it's real. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, it's not imaginary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think everything that you're saying is so uh, helpful and positive and good. And like going back to this sort of visibility side of it, like, you know, I think there's like, there's like almost like a relief. I'm just speaking from my own frame of reference, my own experience being like a woman, maybe in a very male dominated uh, environment, but like there's a relief when you feel like you're actually part of the conversation because for so long, um, and I, again, speaking from my own perspective, I know that I've like listened to podcasts or read books or read research that didn't necessarily directly apply to me, but it was still about 
topics that I was interested in. And so I was just doing my best to sort of like parse the information and be like, okay, how can I make this applicable to me? Even though it isn't really, because it's always just like male studies or men talking to other men about men's stuff, but like, I'm still interested. So I'm just kind of trying, I'm like picking and trying. Mm -hmm. And then when you finally feel like you're, maybe you're listening to someone or you're talking to somebody or there's a, there's a research study that's like directly about you. You're like, okay, finally, I feel like I can kind of understand my part in this. So I, I totally get like I, the feeling of maybe just relief that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in this now. I can start to understand it within my own frame of reference instead of constantly having to like try to put the puzzle pieces together. Um, and I think that one of the things that I've like kind of always said, I've tried in my own part of small corner of this industry is yeah. just that like, truly the more voices the better even if you disagree with them like even if you get in a room with a bunch of like vegans like you're still having a conversation where voices are going to be heard and ideas and perspectives that are different than yours which is going to even if it just strengthens your own argument it's mm -hmm. it's bringing kind of more discussion to the to the table that i think is important and touching again on sort of this like gendered piece of like the carnivore diet and how it seems like it's this sort of hyper masculine like big sweaty red guy that's like lifting weights and deadlifting and then eating a like ribeye like that's what i see when i see carnivore a lot and like i'm really trying to like get get over that too because again coming from more of like the fitness bodybuilding background for me which is again not necessarily like there's no women in it there's tons of women in it it's just that you hear more from the men um, you know, I wrote this cookbook, this organ meat cookbook, because I still have so many women come to me that are like, but meat's heavy and it makes me feel heavy and too much protein. And what if I get big and what if I get bulky? And isn't that what dudes eat? And I should be eating a salad. And like, that's still, that is still a hugely pervasive part of this conversation. And I'm trying to show like, I, you know, when I wrote this book and I'm looking at like the Amazon, like I'm like Googling and like looking at Amazon, like who else has yeah. written like organ meat cookbooks. And first of all, there's like five of them and they're, <laughs> they're right. They're hunters, they're hunters, they're male hunters, or they're maybe like professionally trained French chefs or something. And I'm like, I'm about like, I am like really, truly the example of somebody who like, if I can do this, you can do this. I did not grow up eating liver and brains and tongues. I am not a professionally trained chef. I can enjoy it. I can get health benefits. I haven't turned into the Hulk. Like it's fine, you know? And I just, I, I want, I really yeah. want there to be more conversation about this with women because I don't know how it happened. Like you said, I don't know how it happened where like, the type of food you eat is gendered. It's so bizarre to me. I mean, I guess there's, it comes down to like marketing and like you see enough yeah. pictures of women laughing with salad and you think that that's what's supposed yeah. to happen, right? But yeah. we, need to, we need to change it because it's so detrimental. And especially going back to, you know, what you said about like who should be eating the most nutrient dense diets. It's also um, majority women who struggle with like autoimmune issues and stuff, right? Like we're yeah. the ones majority yeah. who are who are dealing with issues where we need to be really on top of what we eat um and sometimes more restrictive too so i think that yeah. you know just having more people yeah. part of these conversations is always going to make it better yeah well i you know i think that um you know i yeah I, I mean, I'm trying to create more visibility for, uh, you know, black carnivore because, uh, you know, people have, um, 
I don't know, I guess sort of chided me for creating further segre segregation, essentially, is what I'm doing. But, um, you know, I feel like that's not my fault. You know, we were there, we were in the carnivore space, we're in the keto space, but we are um, ignored, really. And, uh, you know, and, and part of this all happened because I felt so frustrated at the experience that I had. Um, and, you know, anybody who wants to know more, you can go to my YouTube channel and check out the videos that I posted about racism in the carnivore community. But um, I was so frustrated at being just, uh, you know, uh, well, whitewashed out of the picture and um, that, you know, we're spending our money too to support, uh, you know, leaders who are just acting as if we don't exist or don't matter. And so that's why, you know, I said, well, fine, like I, I can withdraw my gaze and I can provide the kind of support that we need better than, uh, you know, than any, any other, you know, any other person. So, um, you know, I appreciate my allies who have sought to amplify my voice and to share, um, you know, to share my messages and to, you know, to share what we're doing and, um, and to be helpful and supportive. And I, I understand that, um, you know, it's, it can seem like I'm creating further division, but uh, I feel that black people are not being served in an all white carnivore, you know, carnivore conversation or, or even keto conversation. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that I think are very different for us in terms of uh, culture and how we see the world and what we're looking at and what we care about. And so uh, some of the conversations that are happening are just kind of irrelevant. And so um, we don't, you know, our needs aren't really being met in that respect. So now we can have conversations that, um, that really meet our specific needs. And I have actually had quite a few other people approach me about wanting to do something similar for, um, you know, for the Latino, uh, you know, carnivore community and for the Asian carnivore community. Mm -hmm. So I am not, you know, the only person that is feeling excluded. And when I put up my posts and my videos, I got a lot of comments from people who were like, oh my God, this is so refreshing. This is why I quit all those Facebook groups. And this is why I stopped following the community. And, um, and it's amazing that they came across my stuff, but imagine all the people who just quit and haven't, you know, and they don't know. They don't know that this is even happening. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it frustrates me that, um, you know, that there are people, you know, that we can't be more open and welcoming. And, you know, I think that there is a significant barrier to entry with carnivore because it, you know, it goes like 180 degrees against everything we're told in the news. And so, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of support with, you know, success with people and helping them to, you know, heal their problems, feel great, look great, lose weight, all of these things. And still, you know, there's a little bit like, are you sure it's okay for me to eat like this? I'm, you know, am I going to die? And it's like, I know we have a huge, huge amount of um, education or, or, or learning to, to unlearn. And so to then create a, like a racist space where people don't feel welcome, it's like, seriously, like, are, are you trying to make it harder? For, are you trying yeah. to discourage people? Like, yeah. is this some secret thing? And you only want, you know, a certain type of person to be healthy and well, because, you know, so yeah so in any event now i am trying to you know just work to serve my community and um and i can't i can't worry about you know 
what happens everywhere else. And yeah. so, you know, perhaps in that effort that itself is a, you know, an activist uh, creates its own level of activism just by existing and refusing to accept the position that I've been put in. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like anybody who would really think that what you're doing is trying to create division has got to come from people who just have never, ever been excluded from anything in their life and so are like really sensitive to it because it's like would, and again, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but like would a bunch of white guys get pissed off if I created like a pregnant woman's support group and they weren't allowed in it like it's just like some things are not they're they're not for you and that's okay like we, you know everything else is for you so just it's fine you know um and i and i also think that one of the reasons i wanted to to chat with you is because you are still providing a ton of resources for anybody who's willing to learn like you're not you're not closing ever all the information that you're putting out there there's tons of content you're putting out that's available to everybody that we can all access that we can all read and you're also accessible if someone who isn't in your group has a question or wants to ask you something you're you're there you're not closing off to other people you're just providing a service for a specific group that has has not had that service like it just i don't know i mean we're in this like increasingly sort of political divisive everybody just wants to get mad at everybody time and i think that there are so many bigger, more real things we should be getting mad about than like, you know, letting people uh, have a community. I just think it's, I think that's kind of nuts. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so for people who want to uh, join your, your, the community, like the Zoom calls and like, are you still letting people in or is there like a, like a cap mm -hmm. that you can, you can keep? So yeah, the way I'm handling it is, uh, you know, I encourage you to join the Facebook group. And okay. so from there, that's how you would get to the Zoom meetings. Um, the, the Facebook group is for black carnivores. So, um, you know, so that's what we will, that's how we, uh, you know, um, go about and making, uh, admitting people. And then, um, we also have, uh, you know, the YouTube channel, which is open obviously to anybody and I do the live stream. So there's, you know, we're trying to create a space for people to come, you know, have conversation and so on. And, and you know, and then of course I have all my YouTube videos and then I do coaching. So, um, you know, anybody is, and I, I do have, you know, all colors <laughs> have come to me for coaching. Um, so that, you know, that's always going to be possible. I am starting to put together meal plans for people because you know, again, that's like the number one question I get. So I, I will be selling meal plans. And so people are welcome to interact with me that way. So yeah. Awesome. And can you let people know what those, uh, like what your YouTube channel is called, how to, how to find you online and on Instagram and all that good stuff? Yeah. So on uh, YouTube, I'm Black Carnivore. On Instagram, I am Black Carnivore. On <laughs> Twitter, I am uh, Black underscore Carnivore. And uh, um, and uh, where else am I? Uh, Facebook is Black Carnivore. And uh, and on all of my emails, I mean, on all of my um, uh, uh, videos, I have a, a, a link to sign up for the email list. And I think, and also in my bio and Instagram, there's a link to sign up for my email list. That's really the best way. Cause that's, that's the way in which I'm going to disseminate information and there will be information that's, that is pertinent to everyone in the world. And then there's information that will be pertinent to black carnivores, but either way you want to be on the email list. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for the work that you're doing and for um, just inviting more people to learn about this crazy stuff that we're doing and making it more accessible and encouraging and open for everybody. Because like I said, I know I've, I've struggled with this before, sort of um, feeling like I'm kind of the ironically enough, odd man out in a, in a group of people that sort of are, are kind of different and having people be able to come to you and ask questions and feel like there's a place for them to learn and, and be in this health community, I think is incredibly important. So um, I appreciate the work that you're doing and I'm excited to kind of follow along and see how it goes. And, and also when you get my uh, book to maybe try a couple organ meat recipes and let me know what you think. Oh, absolutely. And I made liver meatballs last night. That's so what good. I put in my... <laughs> yeah. So that's what I put in my, um, my video, uh, this morning for my, my food of the day, but I, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm team organs. Good. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's like talking about supplements. It's like, that is the supplement right there. Like yeah. you add a little bit of liver to anything else you're eating and you're automatically like, you know, superwoman for the rest of the day. Yeah. And remember fat is an organ. We don't always think about that. So, yep. you know, eating the bone marrow, eating the fat trimmings, eating suet, all of that fat is an organ. The tastiest organ. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I would all agree. right. Thank you so much for your time and all enjoy right. the rest of your day. Okay. Thanks a lot. I had a great day. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing your time with me. Uh, thanks, Ade, for being on the podcast. Super great to chat with another person who likes to eat fat and animal as much as I do, um, because that's a lot and it's kind of rare. Um, if, however, you are as interested in eating animals as I am, you know I do have a book out, right? Uh, my book is called It Takes Guts. It is a nose to tail cookbook, but a lot more than that. I really, really get into the benefits and the history and the background and the tips and tricks to eating real nose to tail, including all of the good bits, all of the organs. Um, and it was so much fun. I finally actually got my author copies in the mail and it was completely surreal um, having the book in my hand. This is my first book, guys. Like, this is a big deal. Um, if a couple people read it, if a couple people make recipes and enjoy it, if a couple people decide to eat nose to tail and, and put a little more effort into the food that they're eating and maybe get healthier as a result of it, I'm going to be really, really happy. So um, that's that. I'm very excited for some guests I have coming up over the next couple of weeks. So please stay tuned. Please subscribe to Muscle Maven Radio wherever you listen. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you could leave me a rating and a review, that would be hugely helpful to me. Um, as you know, these things are free uh, for you, but they're not free for me to put together. So the more support I can get, the more attention I can get on the podcast, uh, the better off. I am, and you are, if you uh, want to keep listening to the show. Thank you again to today's show sponsor, Santa Cruz. These guys are amazing. They put out such great, high-quality CBD products, and they're always coming out with new stuff. I did an IG uh, video with the founder, actually, that's on my Instagram. If you want to check that out, uh, you can find me at The Muscle Maven, and we get into a lot of the kind of background and science of the company. Um, they do have some new stuff that just came out that I got on hand, including a whipped tallow butter with CBD that a lot of folks, when I posted it in my social media, they thought it was like an edible tallow butter, which actually is a fantastic idea, but it's skincare. Um, it's like a really rich, 
whipped, um, delicious smelling skincare product that's incredibly moisturizing and also has CBD and other essential oils and deliciousness in it. It's like one step away from being edible. You probably could eat it if you had to. I mean, don't take my advice. Don't do that. But it's all really natural, pronounceable ingredients. It feels so nice. And you know I love my natural skincare. So anyway, that's just one of the many things they're always putting out. Um, But you can check them out at scmedicinals.com. Use the code MUSCLEMAVEN15 for your discount um, if you're going to get anything. And as always, just reach out to me, say hi on social media, send me an email, sign up for my newsletter at ashleyvanhouten.com and uh, let me know who you want on the podcast, what guests you want, what topics you want me to talk about. I'm all about giving you what you want. So that's it. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening.